Hi everyone, Kristen Ashley from Bell to Bell is here, and this is Painless, a 30-minute hassle-free podcast featuring short discussions on wrestling. Each podcast, I'll have one guest on to talk about one topic. Today, uh, I have with me the incomparable JPQ, one of my good friends and one of the biggest women's wrestling advocates I personally know. How are you today, JPQ? I am stoked. I'm happy to be here, happy about the topic that we're talking about, but more importantly, happy to talk about wrestling with my friend Kristen Ashley. Aw, how sweet. <laughs> oh, well, let's get into it. Um, if you listen to the first episode, Painless is starting its existence by doing a two-part special on the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, this episode in particular will be part two, and we will cover the Japan side of the bracket. Previewing, previewing some uh, Joshi wrestling. And I'm willing to admit that I am not as familiar with Joshi wrestling as I'd like to be. And so uh, JPQ is my go-to Joshi academic. And I'm, I'm actually really pumped to be brutally schooled by him. So you may not hear from me as much during this episode. I, I really want his knowledge to really shine. Um, and I just want to start off, JPQ, by asking you this. How incredibly wrong is Jim Cornette about Joshi wrestling? <laughs> he's wrong. I mean, that's the easiest answer. Um, and he's wrong on a couple different levels. Um, he's a historian of what, quote unquote, wrestling used to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And Joshi wrestling kind of falls more in line with his perception of what wrestling should be than, you know, what it is today. Right. And his all his nonsense that he has with uh, the issues that he has with today's wrestling. Um, sure, there's goofiness and comedic matches in, in Joshi. But, you know, fundamentals are always at the forefront of any Joshi match. Right. Yeah. Uh, classic in-ring storytelling. Does this match make sense? Isolating uh, body parts, working on injuries, selling those injuries throughout a match, incorporating those injuries into a comeback, into a finish, into a continuation of the feud are all represented in many Joshi promotions, right? And and how they go about um, different overarching narratives, longer feuds that make sense, that are rooted in the history of competition or tag team histories between the wrestlers. Uh, these are referenced back when needed for impactful moments and rivalries. All this just kind of adds layers of depth to Joshi promotions, Joshi wrestlers, rivalries, things of that nature. The territories, mm -hmm. that element you'll find a lot in Japan with with um, within Joshi, right? A lot of companies are working in a relatively uh, small or short proximity, um, and they kind of fall more in line with, you know, working together to put on full cards, uh, inter-promoting their wrestlers. You know, this is a world that, you know, Jimmy Boy is familiar with. All of this kind of should fall in line with his type of thinking. So for him to come out and kind of make the comments he did and and then kind of generalize the fan base as, you know, more of a fetishism is just kind of not just a lazy, ignorant statement, but it's racist, sexist as well, which isn't, you know, too far from what we come to expect from that guy. But it's just a shame because there's more layers to how Joshi uh, lines up with his quote unquote type of wrestling. Mm -hmm. But because it doesn't wouldn't make him money, it's not important. And that's a bummer. Right. And I I think, I mean, there's a reason why they call him old school and he's so stuck in the past. And for anything to have any growth at all, it needs to, I mean, it needs to progress. There needs to be some sort of evolution, so to speak. 
And and so I think, my personal opinion, that the fact that this uh, tournament has now um, this Japanese side of the bracket, it's so important for the growth of women's wrestling. I mean, would you agree? Why do you think it's so important that that this Japanese Japanese side of the bracket exists? Well, I think it's um, I think it, I I look at it from two different um sides. One from just the history of Joshi. Um, you know, there's a lot going back from the 80s with um, All Japan Wrestling, AJW, and then coming through to, to what the current Joshi scene is and more of these little promotions all kind of making up and get, finding their piece of the pie. There's a tremendous amount of history, of fundamentals, of, of innovative wrestling that we just haven't seen yet in the West, but they've been doing for a very long time in the East. And so for that to be able to be broadcasted on um, a platform like AEW's YouTube channel, right, that's a, that's a win for all wrestling fans. That's a win for fans of women's wrestling because you're going to see something that's different than what you're accustomed to seeing in a conventional sense of growing up with in the Western market, right? It's not just Riho's quick, fast, high-speed uh, combination type of uh, 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 winning combinations. There's strong style there's uh just um the difference between like a senpai kohai relationship and them potentially matching up um there's a lot of uh depth in the stories that you're telling on that side that should really educate a lot of the uh you know normal well normal the the western fans on what's happening over in in japan right now from an aew side i think this is probably the first tangible step that I've seen them towards any type of commitment to changing the world and outlook on women's wrestling. Yes. Um, I've been a critic of AEW for some time. I wanted them to be bold, right? I wanted 50% airtime committed to women. I wanted heavy investment in multiple storylines and, and multiple characters. I wanted a women's tag division that that was that had some type of 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 feel and and direction to it. Um, and that never really formulated. The way I kind of right. hoped. And overall, it's kind of just been this justification and slow moving. And we all kind of see where things are headed. And, you know, we're not we're, we're starting to see things come to fruition. Right. We, I'm hoping we're kind of coming out of the dark a little bit here. I really like the amount of women's training we're seeing out of QT and Dustin in this yeah. kind of mini dojo type of setting right now um, to get some TV experience on AW Dark for for some of these rookie uh, talents or green talent. Um, being able to utilize the Japanese wrestlers they've signed and the partnerships with these Japanese promotions in a bracket format um, like they're doing with the tournament, I think is smart, right? right? Allowing Hikaru to go back to Japan to help produce these matches, to help the overall quality, and then kind of bring in a little bit more of the Western flair, I think is smart too. So on both sides, I think it's good for people that want to learn more about Joshi or just exemplifying what Joshi wrestling can be. And then from the AW side, all right, you're trying to show me something a little bit more than what you have been. I'm listening. I hope you execute the way I hope you, you know, uh, in a positive manner. Well, and, you know, uh, AEW has released the full bracket for the tournament um, with the announcement that the Japanese side of the bracket will start uh, this coming Monday. So I think when this airs, will be like today on YouTube. Um, and so we can discuss the matches one by one. And I, I think this is a prime example of what we were talking about, because not only is it Joshi Wrestling, which most fans are not familiar with, but it's I mean, these are like freelance women um, or they're not like from stardom, which most people when they um, equate 
Joshi Wrestling with a promotion at Stardom. So, it, I mean, it's some newer names and then also some names that are coming back. Um, so, you know, AW uh, signee uh, Yuka Sakazaki returns to face the uh, Gato Move Pro regular May uh, Suruga. So, JPQ, what are your first thoughts on this match and who do you see moving forward? My, uh, my initial thoughts is I love this match. Yeah. This is the this is a final quality type of match. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki, Tokyo Joe Pro Wrestling's ace, right? Mesa Ruga, Gato Move, Choco Pro's ace. They're both fun. They're both comedic. They have comedic stylings. And they have comedic timing. Um, their uh, foundation and fundamentals is super, super strong. They can both play to the crowd, and they have this whimsy to them that's just absolutely fantastic. You don't see a lot of the face versus heel dynamics and and Joshi so much, but this is ace versus ace. This is number one in TJPW versus number one in Got to Move Choco Pro, and this is the first round. This is huge, right? Yuka's coming yeah. off a fantastic Princess of Princess title run in TJPW with arguably probably the best women's match uh, of the year um last year at Wrestle Princess against her tag team partner Mizuki. She's cheeky. She's funny. She's acrobatic. She's mm-hmm. highly engaging. Um, May's the same way. You know, as much as I want to kind of throw out different adjectives, she's cheeky. <laughs> she's funny. She's acrobatic. And she's super engaging. The, their wrestling styles are comparable. Um, and their personalities where infectious are different. And you're going to see that in this match, I think, more so than the difference in wrestling styles. I expect high speed, athletic, back and forth with some, you know, humorous movements moved in to kind of bring a smile to your face. Uh, I have Yuka Sakazaki moving on, but May will make the bigger impact in this match. Yeah, and I I mean, so so all of these matches have had women who have worked in some fashion for AW before. And so my gut reaction is like, okay, well, they're all all those women are going to move forward. Now, I hope they pull some surprises because they easily could. Not many of them are actually signed with the company, so they could make some surprises. But I do miss Yuka. I mean, she's so high energy. And and these two women I'm actually semi-familiar with. (laughs) But, um, you know, Yuka is, they're both high energy. You're correct. But Yuka always brought, like, a smile to my face whenever she would appear. And I feel like her presence, along with, like, Emmy and, uh, you know, Rio, all of them are missed because they had a different feeling to them than I think that the uh, the other women from the AW roster have. So I'm really excited for this one. Um, but I'm also excited for this next match, not only because, well, Emmy is back, right? But because uh, Venny is someone many people are not familiar with. What can you share about Venny and how do you see this match playing out? Um, I think this is probably um, my most excited match of the first round, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Venny isn't somebody that's destined for greatness. Uh, she already is greatness. Oh, I was right? gonna say brutal. <laughs> yeah, she's she's about to put the world on notice, right? Um, absolutely mm-hmm. intoxicating to watch. Uh, we talk about presence a lot in professional wrestling. She fills a room, right? When she's yeah. out there wrestling, she is, you know, every eye is on her because of how dynamic of a person she is. Freelancer working for Diana, Marvelous Seedling, YMZ01, DDT Ganbear, every promotion she's hustling in. And she's good for like two match of the year quality, either singles or tag team matches um, a year. And as a freelance, that's a nice spot to be in. She's only 22 years old. Um, She likes wrestling. Mm -hmm. She's very good at wrestling. She can't continue to, to keep wrestling in Japan because her star power is just too much. Um, 
She looks like she's been doing it forever. Uh, she's very special. This is going to be a tremendous, tremendous uh, a showcase for her. As far as the match goes and how it's going to play out, I think it's perfect booking because of everything I just said, except I don't think she's going to pull out the W in the end. Um, I don't think there are many people in the world better than Emi Sakura at amplifying the strengths of an opposing wrestler. Um, right. With two of her protégés in the tournament in, in Riho and, and May, uh, as well as all the wrestlers having ties to either one of her founding promotions, Ice Ribbon and, and Gato Move, um, allowing Venny and Emmy to kind of mix it up will only result in positive things for both. But mm-hmm. Venny having aspirations to come to the United States, I think, you know, she's going to come out and she's going to absolutely excel. I just don't think, given some of the scheduling things coming up in Japan, uh, Emmy is uh, that, that she's going to be able to pull off the, the W. Emmy's going to win in what I'm going to call an upset, which no disrespect to Emmy. I love you. And there's no such thing as an upset with her. But <laughs> Emmy in an upset, if I can say that to everybody's dismay, great heat for Emmy going up against, you know, Yuka in the next round. I just see this as being a win win for everybody. But really, you're going to you're going to walk away with two favorites if you've never seen either one of these two wrestle before. And I, you know, I have not seen Benny before. So hearing you, I'm, I'm really excited. But I'm I am excited for Emmy. But I'm also excited for Emmy to come back stateside. I know she had had a hand and quite a big hand in training the women. Um, and obviously, she's amazing. I mean, if you look at her protégés, she's incredible. And so I'm really excited um, just for the prospect of her being back. Um, I know that could be a while. We don't really know. Rio came back pretty quickly. Um, but, man, I miss Emmy. And I, I know she's got some really... Um, She's got, you know, other things besides AW going on, but um, I'm I'm excited to see her back. Now, the next match, <laughs> I know that most people are extremely excited for simply for like shit emoji uh, emoticons <laughs> and um, social media stuff. But tell me why exactly uh, Maki uh, Ito versus Rio Mizunami. Sorry, my I'm trying really hard with these names. <laughs> why it's going to slap so incredibly hard? And now you nailed the last name there um, because no F's will be given. Right. And that's right. me not cursing for once. Um, <laughs> that's really the honest answer. Right. Maki Ito is one tough cookie with a pension for taking a beating. Um, she has a crazy story. You know, Maki was part of an idol group. She got kicked out. She was told she was too ugly. She went, she borrowed eight grand. She went, got <laughs> plastic surgery done. Nobody noticed after she, she got the really surgery got done. She yeah. really got plastic surgery done? She got plastic surgery done. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nobody noticed. Then, you know, she got into the world of wrestling. And she's been kind of earning her stripes along the way the last couple of years. Um, huge internet presence. She just knows how to to market herself to a fan base. Um, yeah. You know, she's just, there's there's so many positives when it comes to Maki Ito. Uh, and including her great New York uh, presence when she was over here for the last WrestleMania weekend, uh, where she was mixing it up in a couple different shows uh, and really kind of got her name out there. So her being here is fantastic. She's the fan favorite. She's the early one out of the gate that everybody's betting on. But then you have Rio, and this is just a staunch in- individual. Um, this is a person who is 32 years old but has been wrestling for 16 years. You know, yeah. Half her life has been in the squared circle, and she's done it before in AEW. Right. Like yeah. if she didn't sign with AEW, she was going to retire. Right? Right. And that's the story coming out of 
Japan all, what, 18 months ago. So for her to be in this tournament, she's kind of my dark horse, right? She's kind of one that I'm kind of rooting for in the in the back. This is this was a mainstay of Wave for like 10 years uh, before making the switch and and being in Seedling um, the last couple of years. Uh, this is a she's a great test of strength, right? She's a brute. She's boorish by nature when she's in that rank. She reminds me a little bit of, you know, the AJW type of stiffness, right? She'll get on there and she'll mix it up a little bit. And with somebody like Maki, who just can take a beating, we're going to see something special. Um, we're going to have to pick between the two. It's so hard because I've been going against May, which is everybody's fan favorite. And I've been going against Venny, which is everybody's fan favorite. And then you get to Maki Ito, and it's like, yeah, JVQ, can you really pick against Maki Ito? <laughs> And I will tell you, yes, I can, right? And I'm going to. It's going to be Rio uh, Mizunami moving on to the next round. I think once this juggernaut gets started, she can't be stopped. And it's a crash course in the next round for her and the eventual winner of the next round or of the next match. Yeah, and I think this match, just um, just from the research that I have done, it to me, compared to the other matches, they really are, the, the opponents are really like, not polar opposites, but they have, you know, opposite skill sets. Um, and just visually, they're very different. And so this match, I think, will be probably the most interesting for me. And I think you're right. I think Rio does move forward. And I, I say that because if you're if you're going to have Maki Ito move forward, then I think she's taken the whole side. I think she would be hard-pressed to not win it um, just because of all the stuff going on in social media and, and because um, AEW, at least recently has been giving fans maybe a little bit of what they want. So I agree. I think Rhea moves forward just because if you're going to invest in Maki Ito, she's just, she's going to get signed, right? Like she's going to be there. I really like her, um, her swearing on social media yeah. <laughs> because you look at her and you're like, Oh, she looks so sweet. And then you read her tweet and you're like, wow, she, she has the worst mouth on her. <laughs> yes. And she has a very interesting setup where her, the rights to Maki Ito are really owned by her talent agency. Right. So she's technically a freelance and she like works hand in hand with TJPW. But even if like AEW wanted to come out and like sign Maki Ito, my understanding is, is that they would actually have to buy her contract out from the talent agency to be able to get her overseas, uh -huh. which adds a little bit to this. You know, there's, you mm -hmm. know, there's some back door dealings as well that you have to kind of play into if you want your favorite to get over full-time into AEW. Right. Um, okay. So then the final match is, uh, well, I mean, 34-year veteran mm -hmm. Aja Kong is going to um, face uh, Rin Karukura. Now, tell well, so she's also fantastic, right? But she's also not widely known. Do you, yeah. I mean, it seems like this would be a slam dunk for Aja. Would you Would you agree? It feels that way, yeah. right? And look, and I'm all Aja everything, right? Yeah. Uh, from AJW to Joshi Grandma now, who bakes cookies for the rookies when she comes <laughs> in for uh, a freelance work. Aja is the embodiment of Joshi, in my opinion, right? Started when she was like 16 years old, came up with Bull, you know, did was the champion through... Big, uh, the Big Egg Joshi show. She won the tournament there. Absolutely incredible champion. Whole history, death match, everything in the back end of her career. She's still going now. I love promoter, right? She owned part of Arizon with, um, 
uh, uh, Rossi back in the day. So she's done it all. Nothing more for her to do. Except come back to the way, right? <laughs> so you have this little intrigue with her because she's only ever come over in the mid-90s with, with WWE. And so, you know, you would sit here and you would say it's a slam dunk. But I love Rin. You know, this is this is a trainee of Jagusa Nagayo. And if you a trainee of Chigusa Nagayo, you have an uh, you have a chance in every match, right? And she's probably one of the better work rate wrestlers in the field. You know, she yeah. she can go 20 minutes strong style and still be ready to tag with her tag team partner Takumi Oroha, the champion over in Marvelous. Um, they're known as Nutra, uh, in the main event and still be impressive, right? Her conditioning right. is out of bounds. So somebody that needs to run away from Aja Kong for in a lot of time before she tires out and can get her offense in. Rin Katakura is the one to do that. Can she overcome this power and prowess of a living goat like Aja Kong? It's a tough one for me. You know, it's a 50-50 split down the middle. Um, You got to lean some way. So uh, I got to show respect to Aja. I got to pick her with the W. Um, Fun fact, though, Mm -hmm. just because, again, you have to keep everything in the back of your mind. Yeah. You know, Rin Katakura dormed with Nyla at the Marvelous Dojo back when Nyla was touring Japan. So there is a history with Rin and some of the wrestlers over in the AEW roster right now, or in the AEW women's locker room right now. It she's another dark horse. Right. You know, coming out of nowhere. So but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna because Rio's moving on in the match before, I gotta see, you know, the big um brute match in the semis. I gotta go with Ajakong. You know, and I, I would, I think we're all hoping, right? The, those of us who have watched at least some Joshi or are familiar with it or want to be familiar with it, I think the end goal for us is that some of these women really get signed, right? Because, I mean, there's a reason why they picked the women they did, and so the goal for me is that they have this really good showing, and that um, Tony Khan is like, let's do some signings, and. I think if there's a match that's going to produce somebody, it's going to be this one. It's it's going to be it's going to be Rin because Aja. I mean, Aja Kong is a veteran and she is a beast and she's still going. But I like you know in WWE or other you know promotions they sort of pass the torch. I think this would be a really good match to pass the torch to spotlight Rin to, to let her shine a little bit and and it could be said that what you know, oh, she's got 34 years. It could be say, well, yeah, she's got 34 years, right? I mean, my gut right. tells me Aja Kong is going to, she's going to go over, but and, she's not getting any younger either, right? And it's a hard 34 years. I mean, yeah, make no that. mistake about it. She was stabbing and being stabbed back <laughs> in like 92. You she, know, like <laughs> she's got tread on those tires. Or there's very little tread left on those tires for sure. Right. Um, okay. So let's, let's do some predictions. Who, <laughs> Who are your predictions for like the the semifinalists? Who are the two on the side that you would like to see go against each other? Right. So in the semis, I said that I was going to have Yuka versus Emmy and Rio versus Aja Kong. Um, given those two matchups, uh, I am still a big proponent of the magical girl, and I always have been. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of versatility that she brings to the. AEW women's roster as a whole. She can do the comedy. She can have five-star quality matches. She can work the hard cam. She can do storylines. She knows enough English and a good amount of English to be able to 
um, um, play into storylines uh, on a on a more character le- or character level. And and I just think that there's a lot there. And because of that, I think we're going to see her move on from Emmy, knowing that Emmy's got Choco Pro in the background, right? She's helping right. to bring these people over. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see people begin to come over uh. back to um, uh, Choco Pro, got to move um, from AEW. So I think that there might be a little bit of an excursion uh, pathway for a couple okay. different people, um, both AEW and maybe even Impact, if that whole thing is forbidden doors open to everybody. Yeah. Um, so we could see something along those lines. In the second so, semi... Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, who's your second pick? In the second semi, I like Rio. And because... She is my dark horse for coming over full time. So a lot like Yuka, I see Rio being able to do a lot of what Emmy did the first time around, right? She can get in there as a 16-year vet. She can mix it up. She can train the girls on, you know, hey, this, do this. You know, you, you know, this, this part of your game is is not as good. You need to sink this in a little bit harder. She's got a lot of information to give, and this is a good opportunity for her to do that while still. I mean, technically, she's in her athletic prime, right? 32 years old. You're as much of an athlete now as you were back when you were 20 years old. And, you know, where there's a lot of hours put into the ring, you know, she can still go. And she's a, you know, she's a brute. She's somebody that's got size to her that you don't see a lot coming out of Japan. So possible. Um, Aja, I love her to death. I just don't think that she's ready to come back full time. You know what I mean? She's enjoying baking her cookies for the rookies and doing her social media stuff and just coming in for the paycheck when she needs it in Ice Ribbon and DJPW. Uh, This is a great spot for Icy Rio versus Yuka in the the finals. And then who is your your big winner, your finalist on this side? Got to be the magical girl herself, Yuka Sakazaki. She will navigate through this difficult terrain of talent, right? <laughs> Ultimately come into some type of top of the Japanese side of the bracket. I think she embodies all the elements of AEW. Um, I think she's got the strongest fundamentals. I think she plays to the crowd the best. I think her she has this underlying viciousness type of quality to her that I think will play really, really well if she ever does get angry. And she has a nice balance of that fun humor mixed with this crazy power arsenal um, that can just be absolutely fantastic for, you know, the women working in, in AEW in, in, in America. Uh, and it's a great skill set that probably was going to be showed before COVID. Right. And now we have the opportunity to finally show it. And I think she's one of the easiest transition, like, yes. to transition the two uh, fan groups. I think she, you're right. She's got it all. She would be my pick, too. Um, you know, in the last Painless episode, we, me and Warren talked about, um, you know, personalities versus, like, skill. And and it seems like, I mean, they all have skill and they all have personalities, the women's division of AEW. But it seems like, like there's focus on one or the other most of the time. Um, whereas Yuka has all of it. And so I really, I'm really excited. I think she's got the shot of energy that the women's division needs. Um, and she, I've seen her play heel too. I mean, she's done some really cool stuff with Eve. I mean, I've seen her do different stuff. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to see her again. I do think she's going to move forward. Um, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here since we have sure. a couple minutes left. Um, uh, if you could have chosen one Joshi wrestler who wasn't invited to the bracket, who would you choose to, to be in the bracket? Mm, that is a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a great question. I, 
I'm sorry, but you totally understand. No, I'm totally cool with it. I'm just trying to think of, because I got my favorites, right? Like yeah. Mayu Iwatani is a great one. And there's a couple from Stardom that would make a lot of sense, right? But you talk that five tool player. It's really kind of thinking like, what does AEW need more than who would I like to see go over, right? Yeah. And if I'm going to go that route, I think I have to go with Ice Ribbon. Because Ice Ribbon has some of the best technical wrestling Yep. In Joshi, in my opinion, and they have some of these crazy stars. And I love Maya Yukihi with a passion, and I think she would do absolutely fantastic. But there's this 19 year old, Suzu Suzuki, who just lost the championship um, in Ice Ribbon. Spoilers. And uh, <laughs> she, she is uh, somebody that you, we talk prodigy, what Io was coming up through the ranks on the Joshi side. And you kind of knew that she was going to be the next generational talent. Suzu Suzuki is that generational talent. She was able to carry uh, Ice Urban through a pandemic at 18, 19 years old right. uh, with the championship uh, around her waist. And her influence to get into wrestling was death matches. So where she okay. certainly can do death matches, it, she's just got this brute force to her. And every time she comes to the ring, she's adding offense to her arsenal. She's doing a completely different style and a completely different set of moves than she did in the match prior and that is crazy that you're watching her build her book but she's already the top of the class uh in ice ribbon so for all and you got Tsukasha fujimoto out there you got maya yukihi out there like you have wrestlers of prominence in ice ribbon so for her to yeah. kind of be pushing the limits of what you can and can't do um it's, she would be absolutely fantastic to have an AEW. still on the young side obviously but you know that would be somebody to watch out for in the next couple of years well, and you know your Joshi, so then all these listeners who are listening right now, Google Suzuki. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Knows what he's doing. Go watch the matches. Watch all the Joshi wrestling you can. Yes. All right. So, JPQ, I think I can speak for fans of Joshi wrestling when I say that this tournament could be a monumental moment for exposure and for wrestling in general. Um, thank you so much for acting as our Joshi teacher. This wrestling community is incredibly lucky to have someone like you who is so willing to share that knowledge and really gets excited about it. Um, before we wrap it up, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Big Pause on a Pup um, with, you know, daily musings and random uh, bants, as they say. Um, other than that, I, I'm retired, <laughs> so I don't do too, too much. But I pop up every once in a while. <laughs> um doing random things for random people um but you'll most consistently you'll find me at red leaf retrocast um on their patreon doing you know monthly top lists and friday night heats with omega where we go through k-pop top tens every friday just fun stuff so yeah. if you got a vibe for that you know feel free to head over to rlr and check out what we're doing he jpq is the busiest retired person i know i think um yes. just because he has so much knowledge he just has to share it <laughs> Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Ashley, and be sure to follow Bell to Bells on Twitter as well. Visit belltobells.com for all your women's wrestling news, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews and new episodes of Painless. Uh, stay safe. Until next time. <laughs>